Every Sunday, I usually spend my time pouring through local government agendas to give you a close look at the week ahead that's coming up. On this Sunday, I present to you a lot of little things about what's happened in this past week in what we're going to call the March 21st, 2021 edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs, springing ahead with a capturing of this era in our particular orbit around the sun. In today's show, the Charlottesville City Council talks pools, the next steps on a controversial West Main statue, and agree to no property tax rate this year, while acknowledging one for next year is possible. And the Albemarle Architectural Review Board takes a look at the Fontaine Avenue corridor. In today's Substack Fueled shout-out, Code for Charlottesville is seeking volunteers with tech, data, design, and research skills to work on community service projects. Founded in September 2019, Code for Charlottesville has worked on projects with the Legal Aid Justice Center, the Charlottesville Fire Department, and the Charlottesville Office of Human Rights. Visit the Code for Charlottesville website to learn more, including details on three projects that are underway. At any given city council meeting, a lot happens. This is a set of highlights from March 15, 2021. Let's start with an update on one lingering issue. In February, the city sent out a request for information for entities who might be interested in taking over ownership of the Lewis Clark and Sacagawea statue. Here's city manager Chip Boyles. And we do have nine informational responses that we received. Staff will take these informational responses, uh, do a review, and then come back to council with a recommendation of how to move forward uh, with the removal of that statue. The statue is within the boundary of the first phase of the West Main Streetscape project. Council voted to remove the statue in November of 2019 and directed staff last October to pursue that outcome separately from the transportation project. One item on the consent agenda were the recommendations of a task force for how a small pool of federal funding should be spent in the Ridge Street neighborhood. The group is suggesting that $25,000 in community development block grant money be spent on traffic calming, and another $220,000 be spent on three sidewalk projects. As part of the traffic calming effort, speed limit signs would be installed on the old section of Ridge Street. Council gave their approval as part of the consent agenda vote. Before the vote, Charlottesville Mayor Nakaya Walker asked a question. How was it um, determined that there was excessive speeding? City traffic engineer Brennan Duncan responded. Um, there have been a few uh, traffic studies, speed studies that were done on, on that section over the last five to ten years, and, and all of them really showed that there's a speeding issue um, on Old Ridge Street. Last week, the Charlottesville Parks and Recreation Advisory Board sent a letter requesting a plan to safely reopen facilities and pools. City Manager Chip Boyles gave an update. Uh, Parks and Recreation Department has a schedule and a plan for beginning to open up facilities and activities uh, for the summer. Uh, Baseball fields are already receiving some league play, and with two weekends of activity, uh, we're reporting a 100% compliance review for the safety measures by both the participants, um, the players, and the spectators. Other facilities will open on a staggered schedule to accommodate the need to hire staff to run them. 
These include the outdoor pools. Washington Park is, is the first to be scheduled um, with a proposed opening date of May 29th. What we can't begin to open until state regulations change are the aquatic, aquatic center at Honesty and the water spray grounds um, at our parks. That could change if there is further loosening of the state restrictions. Mayor Walker said that anyone hired to staff facilities must receive a vaccine and get health benefits given the risks involved. And so that should be a top priority as just as we are phasing in the operations part of it, the people who are going to run those operations, we need to make sure that they are safe. Boyles said he heard that message loud and clear. At the public comment period, several speakers asked for the pools to open faster. Beth Carta has swum laps in city indoor pools for decades. And as a nurse, I'm well-versed in the importance of the COVID precautions and airborne precautions. I also know we need a balance. At this point in the pandemic, it's very important to have an accessible and affordable community health options. People need access to exercise to stay healthy and improve immunity. Carta said Governor Ralph Northam has loosened restrictions for indoor pools to open, and those run by the YMCA and ACAC are already in operation. However, those facilities are more expensive than those run by the city's Parks and Rec Department. Walker, who formerly worked at the Smith Aquatic Center, said the pandemic is not over and there are concerns about increased community spread through the UK and South African variants. What I'm hearing every speaker um, fail to understand is that it takes bodies to run these programs. It's um, so people in jobs and those people have been fired from their jobs. And I don't think it'll be an issue rehiring people because they need their jobs. Um, But we need to make sure that safety is a first um, priority, especially for staff. I took the opportunity to relay her concerns to officials at the UVA Health System at their briefing on Friday, March 19th. Dr. Kosti Safri is the Director of Hospital Epidemiology for the system. He said planning for a gradual opening is acceptable, as long as the most vulnerable are being vaccinated, and as long as mitigation measures like masking are still in place. He said the variants are a wild card. Really what we'll need to do is just monitor and see what's happening with um, case rates and what proportion of those cases are, are, are due to variants. That remains um, a bit unknown right now, those efforts to understand that. Um, are ramping up. I think we'll learn more in the upcoming weeks. I'll have more from that UVA Health System briefing in the next installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. Council also held its first public hearing on City Manager Chip Boyle's recommended $190.7 million budget for fiscal year 22. Before that, Boyle said revenue projections for next year are up slightly. This amount is being recommended to increase by a uh, hundred and ninety-one, I'm sorry, by one million two hundred and sixty thousand three hundred and seven dollars to a total of a hundred and ninety-one million nine hundred and fifty thousand one hundred and forty-six dollars, still less than a one percent change. As of Monday, Boyles did not have a final amount for how much funding the city will receive through the American Rescue Plan, 
but that the city expected over $10 million and did not yet know what restrictions would be on the funding. When this information is known, staff will present an amended recommended budget. There were actually two opportunities in the last week for the public to comment on the budget. But first, there was a public hearing on the tax rate, which is recommended to remain at $0.95 per $100 of assessed value. Only one person spoke at that public hearing. Jeff Fogel called for a steep increase in the tax rate and increases in tax relief programs for those who cannot afford the higher payments. We need this money to provide the services to make this a real, decent community, which it isn't for so much of the population. You know that. I'm not talking about 2%, 5%, 10%. We're talking about some substantial amount. You have poor people moving down here from the Northeast who are paying extraordinary taxes, who see this as a gift to them when they're only paying 95 cents on a dollar. Based on current economics, every penny increase on the tax rate would bring in an additional $845,000 in revenue for the city. And a formula currently in place automatically allocates 40% of new revenues for the school system. That amount also does not include whatever would need to be paid out through the Charlottesville Housing Affordability Program in the form of rebate checks. The proposed budget for fiscal year 22 includes $965,000 for that purpose, as well as various tax relief programs. In his comments, Boyles had said that there would likely be a need for a tax increase next year. Vice Mayor Cena McGill said she understood. I am expecting that taxes will be needing to be raised next year. And it's good that we're already bringing this up now so that it doesn't take people by surprise next year. Councillor Michael Payne also addressed the issue. Over the next budget cycle, um, we look at our commitments. There's, there's no way around the need for revenue increases. Mayor Walker said that before the city increases taxes, council must determine whether money is being spent efficiently. It's also key for people to trust the process when we say that the only alternative is increasing. The public hearing for the final budget will be held on April 5th. At this one, for the first public hearing, go and review the video from the City Council meeting. After this was recorded, there was a community budget forum held on Wednesday. Council will have a budget work session on March 25th at which the capital budget will be discussed. That's when we might learn more about the West Main streetscape. In today's public service announcement, we get help from Vice Mayor Cena McGill, who on Monday told council and the rest of the public about a new essay contest from Alex Zan. The seventh area student contest focus on helping others. Students in kindergarten to 12th grade are asked to enter the My Help List contest by writing in 150 words or less why it's important to help people and to write down five things they've done to assist someone, or could do to assist someone. The contest is an extension of Mr. Alex Zan's Yes, You Matter initiative. Winners could get up to a $100 cash prize and have their names announced on NBC29. Visit the website of Alex Zan to learn more. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement. The next time you walk, bike, or drive along Fontaine Avenue in Albemarle County, think about possible futures. Much of the land is owned by the University of Virginia or its Real Estate Foundation. 
The road itself is one of Albemarle's entrance corridors, and as such, is under design guidelines of the Architectural Review Board. You know, the majority of the land is either owned or controlled by the university. Fred Missel is the Director of Design and Development at the University of Virginia Foundation. He's also a member of the ARB. Um, Some land, primarily Foxhaven Farm, Maury Creek, um, uh, Observatory Hill, are all being held for long-term needs of the university. The Albemarle Architectural Review Board reviewed the Fontaine Avenue corridor at its meeting on March 15th. Fontaine Avenue is signposted as U.S. 29 business and runs through the county for a brief stretch before hitting the city line. The University of Virginia adopted a master plan for the Fontaine Avenue Research Park in September 2018 to serve as a flexible roadmap for future development. This plan ultimately envisions up to 1.4 million square feet of building space. We developed that over the span of about 25 years. We started in the mid-90s, and we sold the Fontaine Research Park to the university back in, um, I think it was 2018. And so that is now grounds, considered university grounds. Other undeveloped properties include a 12-acre site to the west of Buckingham Circle, which the UVA Foundation purchased from the UVA Physicians Group in 2016. The latter secured a rezoning for the Maury Creek property in July of 2011, but never built the proposed office building. Missile described this as a long-term hold for the university. Proffers associated with both the Fontaine Research Park and the Maury Creek Project involve making the area more pedestrian-friendly. The Fontaine parking lot serves as game day parking for UVA football. Another property that could have future buildings scrutinized is the 69-acre Granger Tract, which is undeveloped and currently zoned R1. The land is currently owned by Stribling Holdings, LLC. Access is a real bear because you do have to go under the railroad tracks, um, but that would not, I don't believe, impact any of the Fontaine viewshed, but probably would 64 and potentially 29. Another UVA property in the area is the Piedmont Apartments Complex run by University Housing for faculty. There has been discussion about whether or not what's at Piedmont is A, still um, the highest and best use for the property, um, or if there's some other alternative use that might could be considered um, longer term. And I can tell you that's been a question that has been around as long as I've been at the foundation, which is 20 years this year. At the city line begins a smart-scale funded streetscape project, for which a public hearing is expected in early 2021, according to the initiative's website. Coordination of land use planning in this area used to be the purview of a public body called the Planning and Coordination Council. PAC consisted of officials from Albemarle, Charlottesville, and the University of Virginia, and meetings were open to the public. However, that ended in late 2019, when both the city and the county agreed to convert the body to one not subject to open meeting rules. PAC was formed out of the three-party agreement that was established by the university, the city, and the county back in the 80s. And um, PAC was dissolved about a year and a half ago. In its place is the Land Use Environmental and Planning Committee, which is not open to the public. However, the meeting notes are posted on a public website. 
Missel is a member of LUPEC in his capacity at the University of Virginia Foundation, and this newsletter is intended to shine as much light as I can on what's happening. In tomorrow's newsletter, we'll take a quick look at the Ivy Road Corridor, also from that March 15, 2021 ARB meeting. And that's it for this installment of the Charlottesville Community Engagement and Newscast. Back after a brief break and ready to get started for another busy rest of the month as March roars out whatever the March, whatever March does, it's going to do it and I'll be there to capture it. If you have enjoyed this program, please consider sending it on to somebody else uh, who you think might be interested in taking a listen to and benefiting. Uh, Next up will be the Week Ahead newsletter, which should be out either later on this evening or early tomorrow morning. And then tomorrow, another edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement. Uh, One more quick thing to say. One last Patreon-fueled shout-out from an anonymous donor who wants to say, We keep each other safe, wear a mask, wash your hands, and keep your distance. Thanks for listening, and stay safe.